0: Well, if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 3. You've already heard one reading this morning from St. Matthew, but I'm going to back it up and grab some context and come back and read that one more time to you and then uh, say just a few things about these verses that we're going to cover today. As you know, today is the uh, first Sunday... Of uh, after the Epiphany, the Epiphany being January 6th, which is Monday, and uh, on that day we celebrated, as we talked about last Sunday, we were going to celebrate the wise men coming. And they get there because of a star. Uh, and today you've heard several songs about light. And we know that from John, the Gospel of John, that Jesus is the light of the world. And Epiphany means revealing or manifestation, something being manifested or revealed. That's what an epiphany is. I'm going to say, I have an epiphany. Um, something was revealed to them, something was manifested. And what we're celebrating in this season of epiphany, which, which really stretches between Christmas and Lent, which is another important uh, spring cleaning, so to speak, time in the church here in our own individual lives. And you'll be challenged again there for 40 days, just as Jesus was in the wilderness. And um, but until we get to that point, we're in epiphany for about eight Sundays, and during this time, it's a manifestation of God in Jesus. So what I, what I want to do for eight Sundays here is it stretches across February and into the first uh, Sunday of March is actually look at different aspects of how Jesus reveals God to us. And one of the first ones that we come to, which we actually celebrate today on this first Sunday after the Epiphany, is Jesus' own baptism. Now before we get started, let me just say that the Bible never divorces John the Baptist from Jesus. John the Baptist from the Incarnation. John the Baptist from Jesus' early ministry. You'll see, and I hope you'll see, that John the Baptist is really this pillar that even Jesus has to grow beyond. Uh, you'll remember even in the Acts... Apollos, who many people believe wrote Hebrews, who was gifted, more gifted than even Paul was in his speaking abilities. Um, When they get to Apollos, Paul does, he's saying, Man, you know, there's this guy, John the Baptist. He's a. uh, And Paul says, "Oh, oh, Oh, Jesus is now taken over. He's the one who's increased. He is God. He's okay. All right. And so we had to actually correct him because there were still disciples, even after Jesus' resurrection, who were following John because he was that powerful of a speaker, that powerful of a prophet. Jesus says it this way, he was the greatest of all of the prophets. No, he was more than a prophet, straight from Jesus. So here are these words as we look at John again here in Matthew. By the way, all four of the gospel pictures that we have, every one of them talks about John the Baptist. He's in all of them. Now listen what kind of guy he is. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff... He will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately He went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to Him. And He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on Him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is My beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for the beauty of, of Your Word to us. Would You help us to calm our hearts and minds long enough to hear Your voice? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What does Jesus' baptism mean? For that sake, what does baptism mean? Why was John called John the Baptist? <laughs> Why do we Christians celebrate baptisms? Why are there controversies over baptism? Well, these are lots of questions that swirl around this idea of baptism. And quite frankly, we can't deal with them all in 30 minutes. Now, if you wanted to stay longer, we could talk further, but in a preaching setting... It's not about being an apologist, but rather proclaiming the Word of God. So what I want to do is actually just look at this brief narrative here found in Matthew. John could preach. Uh, This is very clear from the Scripture. This is very clear because people believed he was a prophet. If you'll remember even further on down the line in Matthew, the Pharisees and Sadducees who already were planning to kill Jesus tried to trick him one time by asking about John. You remember this? And they didn't want to answer wrongly about John for fear that the people would kill them. That's how serious people were about John. You talk about him, you're going to be hanged. It's over for you, buddy. No, he's the best preacher around. And they all believe that. He was an odd bird, wasn't he? I mean, I don't know if you know, but camel's hair was not even in then, (laughs) much less now. He wore this leather belt, we're told, who if you read Scripture carefully in Kings, you'll realize that he is the picture of Elijah. (laughs) Even Jesus refers to him as an Elijah, not as Elijah himself. The Pharisees actually believed that Elijah would come back and many people were saying that John was Elijah and Jesus uh, kind of throws him a bone but essentially says, no, he's not Elijah. You remember, other people thought Jesus was Elijah. Even on the cross, they thought he was calling for Elijah because Elijah, remember, was taken up in a whirlwind. So he didn't die. He didn't have a physical death. So many people thought that he would come back. Interestingly, um, Elijah does come at the transfiguration. Uh, it 's Elijah and Moses who represent the law and the prophets, which is the Old Testament. Um, John could preach, and his message was clear. Any good preacher after the end of it, you ought to leave there with some clarity. They ought to bring clarity to it. if it 's just tickling of the ears well that 's not good enough there 's plenty of people who can tickle the ears uh, oh yeah that 's a great great message, but John throws out some things that really doesn't tickle the ear, but rather makes you want to stop it up. You bunch of snakes. You ever been called a snake? It's not, that's not a compliment, you know. A viper. That's almost even stronger. He says, you put a viper. Who told you to come out here and repent? What the heck are you doing out here? Now, these were the religious people. All right, and, and this ought to caution every single one of us in the room, because these were people who thought they were righteous. Thought they were on their way to heaven. Thought they were in the right path. They were the ones, after all, who were looking hardest for God, and yet, when He's right in front of them, they missed Him. That ought to caution us in this room. I'm talking to myself. Anytime the Bible starts talking about the religious people, and Pharise- I just include myself. in it. I, I'm, I am the Pharisees most of the time. Right, I, I am the Sadducees. And so John, John says, look, what, what are you doing out here? Root of vipers? Who told you about this? But his message is very simple. It, just read it with me. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's it. Repent, notice up front, is the brunt of what you've got to do, which is to repent. Which repentance is a turning away from your sin. From the way that you were going. From whatever way that was, you repent, which means to turn around. Go the other way. You actually confess that you're wrong. Confess that you've done wrong. That there's darkness in here. One thing about Epiphany is this image of light. I mean, with a revelation, I mean, how do we even animate an Epiphany in a, in a cartoon character? Ding! Right? The little light bulb? Light! Ding! Everybody follow me? Yeah. Okay. All right. Some of you are not nodding your heads. So, like I told you, don't, you don't have to say anything, but just, just show me with your face that you're with me or, you know, do something weird and show me, oh, I don't know what you're even talking about. People looked at John that way, they looked at him like he was weird. He lived in the wilderness after all he didn 't go into the city. he ate locusts that wasn 't cool even then, even though it was even though it was it was said that it was uh you know able you were able to eat locusts by the law if you needed to. It was one of the more kind of navy seal things you could do if you were in a struggle and survival situation. you know it wasn 't something you should just eat as a regular diet, and yet he makes this in other words, he doesn't make food his God. He didn't make what he wears his God. He said, I'm going to purposefully wear things that are not all that comfortable. And I'm going to purposefully eat things that are all that, not that, uh, you know, delicious. And there was a reason he was a prophet. He was prophesied about, but he himself was a prophet of God who was making straight the path that Jesus would come. He was the preparer for Jesus Christ. He was the first prophet, get this, in 400 years in Israel. First true prophet. There were other charlatans who came along, but, but when they heard John preach, they knew they were in the midst of a man of God. And so it ought to caution us, what kind of presence do we bring to a room? Is it a self-centered one? Is it one where we're always complaining, where we're picking apart other people across the room to make ourselves feel better? Is it one of anger, where we're really just angry about everything that's going on? Inside there's just we're really boiling. We're just really not happy in any situation we come into. You know, when you go to a funeral, I just, I always, you know, it's just like a wedding. I always think of myself up there. Think of my own wedding. Think of my own funeral. When you think about your funeral, that's it, you're done. And when you're dead, that's it. You know, there's, there's no going back and editing a couple things in your life and trying to smooth over, you know, something that you left behind secretly that could be found. No, that's it. That's it. You're dead. It's over. At that point, other people get up and talk about you. You ever thought about what they're going to say? I don't mean just verbally. In here. What are they going to walk away with? What was your presence in the room? Was it always for yourself? For John, he's obsessed with God. He's he's really what you call, as DC Talk so eloquently put it so far back years ago, now in the 90's. He was a Jesus freak. You remember? He's a Jesus freak. Straight out. And people knew it. Interestingly, Jesus, His very first sermon, according to Matthew, His His very first sermon, was the exact sermon of John. That's how powerful this message is. If you just look over to verse 17 of 4, from that time Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Where did Jesus learn to preach? He learned to preach from John. That was his cousin. You remember when they first met, don't you? It's an amazing story. They met in, in utero, in the womb. He was like, oh no, that's not, a, that's not a human. Oh, really? Because that human was actually filled with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus, who was still in the embryonic stage, walked into the room inside of Mary being grown in Mary, John, who was also in the womb, knew it. And the Holy Spirit met the Son of God right there in two women. What an amazing story! This is John we're talking about. This is not just some nobody. No, the Bible never divorces John from Jesus. And here... John is peculiar. He's odd. But isn't that what we're called to be? A peculiar people. A holy nation. First Peter. Old Testament. Why is that? Now what does that mean? Does that mean we all have to be weird and dread? No, no, no. It doesn't. Trust me, being you will be weird enough. We're all odd, aren't we? I find myself to be even odd Sometimes. I even get on my own nerves. Which is why Jesus says, love others like you love yourself. (laughs) If I get on my nerves, and you get on my nerves, and I love myself, boy, that means I can love you. I can love you. He was called John the Baptizer. He was even known by what he did, which was to baptize. Now this is... This is before Christian baptism actually gets established. This is Old Testament still we're dealing with. Which, by the way, you know that, you know that, there's, that water, even in the Old Testament, is a symbol of cleansing and purification. You remember the laver in the temple that they had to come to and wash before they went inside of the temple. This is a, this is a precursor to baptism. But John says, look, I'm using water... And I'm also doing this for you to repent of your sins. To turn away from your old life and this being a symbol of new life. Water. I mean, I took an outdoor leadership class. Actually, interestingly, the first class I ever took in seminary was an outdoor leadership class. And so I flew out to Colorado, drove up to the Bighorn Mountains in Wyoming. Spent a week with six other guys one of them, an instructor at Columbia University, and, uh, and and who was it was just it was amazing, and um, but the problem was I didn't take a bath for six days, all right. After day three, you kind of get, begin to you know lose the even smell of yourself, much less everybody else. You know, it just all smells the same. Um, didn't brush my teeth properly the, for the six days either, and you know there was two things when I came out of the wilderness. Literally, this was a wilderness area in Wyoming that I really wanted. I mean, you just, you just long for If you've ever been camping, even on a three-day trip, you, you know this same thing. We were all eating stuff where you added water and it fluffed up. Um, there's two things you want. You want a bath. I mean, a hot, good scrub. And then you want a meal. I mean, a good meal. Not just some added water, fluffy eggs, uh, but instead something of substance. And so, man, when I come out of that shower, I felt like a new man. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? I felt, I felt cleansed, revived. And that's what baptism is a symbol of. We use water because water cleanses us, it also is for the purpose of purification. And John says, Look, that's the kind of baptism I'm offering here, but there's one who's coming after me who I, I, I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes. And his baptism is going to be with what? The Holy Spirit. And fire! Fire! Blaise Pascal, famous chemist, scientist, mathematician, and also Christian. He had a radical conversion. And in his coat pocket that night, he put a note that he kept there for the rest of his life, and they found it when he was dead. And one of the things that he describes on that night of his conversion is fire! Fire! All consuming fire! This was a chemist. And a chemist knows that fire is not an element. It's not on the periodic table. It is a reaction. It's fat fire. Go look it up. It's fascinating. You, not even from a chemistry standpoint or scientific, but just from a campfire standpoint. Isn't it fascinating? I mean, that's why we do a bonfire, right? We just all stand around and look at fire. It's amazing. Absolutely enthralling, isn't it? Something about fire. fire. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit and fire in here? I mean, uncontainable! You've got to shout! You've got to run or you've got to fall face down. I don't know your response, but fire! Hebrews says, our God is an all-consuming Fire, but to look around sometimes at, at the lives of, of Christians that my life, you wouldn't think there's a fire lit at all in my soul. You understand? So we would mope around, and yeah, you ask people yeah, how you do? I'm oh, just trying to make it really with an all-consuming fire inside. You're just trying to make it. That's not the Christian life. John epitomizes for us. Fire, Jeremiah, think about it. What did he say? Oh, he says, look, I wish I didn't have to bring bad news all the time. You remember, he had to preach bad news constantly. That's all, that's all his message ever was. He, he never had good news. When the king said, oh, saw him come, he said, oh great, here comes the complainer. He, Jeremiah even tells us, people, he, was a, he was made fun of as a household name. Here comes Jeremiah, the bad news bringer. And Jeremiah says, look, I wish, and he's being honest, he's weeping, I wish I didn't have to bring you bad news. But it's shut up in my bones like a fire. I cannot contain it. That's what you call ecstatic. Ecstatic worship. When somebody's ecstatic, they they can't even contain themselves. That's what the word ecstatic means. You're just about to blow up. Some people think I'm like that 24-7. We ought to be ecstatic about God, about what He's done, about what the. I mean, if we've really had this sort of baptism with water, what about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire? Fire in here that (laughs) burns up the boredom in our life, that burns up the bad attitudes that we carry around, moping about. I'm talking to myself burns away the sin it burns away the darkness light epiphany ding right Jesus we gotta have that ding moment with Jesus you gotta have that moment where you can say I can point there fire fire you don't have to have a date. You don't have to have a specific time like I do. February 28, 1999 at 8.30 at night. Fire. I, no other way to describe it. Everybody in the room on their face before God. So heavy in the room at the retreat, you couldn't even stand up. Now, has it happened to me since? No. Do I expect it to happen again? I don't I expect. Love for it too. In a room like this? You ever gotten on your face before God? I mean, just on your face. He is the King of Kings, isn't He? Amen. You remember John the Revelator? John the Beloved, who wrote the Gospel of John, the three epistles, John, and wrote Revelation? When he sees Jesus, it's not, hey dude, what's up? It's been so long. <clears throat> Instead, he falls directly on his face. He can't even look at Him. He's the glorified Christ. His voice is like that of many waters. His eyes are what? A flame of fire. <laughs> you ever really looked in the face of Jesus? Because what you're going to see is fire. A reaction. Not something man-made by the Holy Spirit that He places within us. John had this fire, John had this fire going on. When Jesus walked in the room, He's leaping, even as a baby. In the womb. Jesus, in this story specifically it says, comes to John to the Jordan. John is at the Jordan. I even went online just to make sure, because I want to make sure my sources were correct, but they were, as always. (laughs) I don't like to lose if you know me, but... geology.com. You go there and you type in what's the lowest place below sea level that's on the face of the earth? It's the Jordan. It's the Dead Sea. That's why it's dead. too many minerals in there. And the Jordan is the lowest place. Now just think with me real quick. Why would Jesus choose to be baptized there? Because He comes low. Have you heard what I said during Advent? He comes low. I mean... God, the Son, leaving His glory to come here and become a baby? That's like me becoming a slug. That's what He's done. He's become, He's come low. He comes to the lowest place on the face of the earth, and that's where He is baptized. New life. What does that mean for us? That means in the lowest point of your life, whatever that deep, dark thing is in your life, Soul, that cave of darkness, wherever that is, he wants to come there and create new life. We always want to say, Hey, look what I got here, God, and look what I can do for you here. No, no, he, he's pointing deeper down. He's saying, Give me that fear, give me that addiction, because that's where your real passion is. And once that's turned around, fire, fire. You know, on our icon this morning, it's kind of an interesting one. There's somebody in the river below Jesus. That's Jonah. But there's also an axe that's laid to the root. Remember what John said? You see the axe down there, bottom left? What does that mean? It means if we don't produce fruit, guess what? We're a dead tree. And we will be chopped down and thrown into the what? Fire! And here, John adds that th- th- the thing, you know, unquenchable fire. It's not going to go out. I would love to tell you that hell is a place where you just go and or you're burned up within six minutes. It's over. That'd be real nice. It's not the way the Bible describes hell. The Bible describes hell as an unquenchable Jesus' own words in Matthew, eternal flame. It doesn't ever stop. There's no annihilationism here that's taught in the Bible. I wish it was. It's not. I'd be lying to you to tell you anything else than that. It also is striking to me that some of us in this very room could go to hell. I don't want to think about that. I pray constantly against that really but none of us are so righteous enough to be beyond it if you think you are then you're very close to hell already you may be living in hell right now in here there may be turmoil darkness confusion in here Guess what? Epiphany has come. The light of the world has come to shine his light into our darkest places. You must give him your darkest places, not where you know there's already light. Give him your lies, give him your fears, your anxiety, your addictions. When Jesus is baptized here, the heavens break open. <laughs> would you thought anything else would happen? <laughs> I mean, he's God. Then the Spirit descends upon him and rests there, the dove. Interestingly, the Spirit is like a dove. Notice that that's a comparison. The Spirit is not a dove flying around. That's why we still can go to dove season and, and feel free hunting. The Spirit is like a dove, and that doesn't mean He just looks nice like a dove or tastes good like a dove, but rather it goes all the way back to Noah. Remember, He sends out a different kind of bird, but then He sends out a dove. And the dove finds what? New life! Dry land! (laughs) You know, it's been dark, it's been stormy, it's been rainy, and it's been cold. And finally the sun came out today and yesterday. And yesterday I drove around and people were washing their car. They were outside. They were walking. They are doing all kinds of stuff. Why? Because when the light comes, people gather to see it. Are you ready to come out of the darkness? The light has come. as no one told you? The light of the world. He's come. <laughs> and He's ready to bring His fire to your soul. Is the Holy Spirit shut up in your bones like a burning fire? Is it your zeal? Has He become your passion? The Father can be proud of us just like He was of His own Son. Did you know that? He's proud of you. He loves you more now than than He ever will because His love never changes. When you're down, he loves you the same as when you're up. His love never changes. It's not human love, it's agape love. Do you know that kind of love? Because his love is what is a burning fire. Amen. The Holy Spirit is that burning fire. And it's a fire at the end of time, as it says here, with the threshing floor. Right now we got the wheat with the tares, you know, which is why in a church setting and People talk about, you know, church is a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, there is. There's, there's sinners in church. Nobody told you that? <laughs> Paul would say, I'm the chief of them. And I would agree with him. But you know what? At the end of time, there'll be a separation. There'll be a separation. You may look like a grand Christian to me. Most of you do. But let's be honest with ourselves. You're, you're not here to impress me. Trust me. I'm not the one to impress. You can trick me pretty easily, probably. But not God. This is for you today. Do you have that fire? Have you been baptized that way? <laughs> oh yeah, I did the baptism thing. I was yeah, but what about with the Holy Spirit and fire? Have you been purified? Have you been liberated? Have you felt that dying and rising with Christ? Because as you see in the baptism of Jesus, He goes to the lowest place. And it really points toward another low place, which is His death, where He goes even lower. But He always rises again. You may be down, you may be low, but today you can rise anew. There's light outside. And it's shining brightly. I'm not talking about the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. The sun is shining. And He's shining on you. What's your response? May it be that you invite the Holy Spirit in today to be an all-consuming fire in your life. Amen.